Greetings and welcome. Today's interview in English is with Kat Quinn, who is the Field Program Coordinator for Concern America, an international nonprofit based right here in Santana that works with underserved communities worldwide, building health care, clean water, education, and economic opportunity. I came to know Kat through my roommate, Terry, who also works for Concern. But even if I hadn't had that connection, I think I would have run into Kat sooner or later around town. She's one of the most committed people I've ever met. To her work, to her community, to her friendships and family, to justice, and, very importantly, to good food. So my name is Kat Quinn, and um, I am 49 years old. And my preferred pronouns are she, her, and Aya. And I came to live in Santa Ana. It's been 10 years now. Um, I moved here from Chicago. And I came to live here to work with a nonprofit that I had been volunteering with in Guatemala. And then over the years was asked to move here to Santa Ana to take on more of a leadership role within the organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as you know, there are three questions that are kind of the, the armature or the skeleton for this process. The first of which is the one that sounds simple and is the least simple, and that is, where are you from? So when I was thinking about that question, the first thing... And that really ties to the music I picked too, is I, and I think especially more now that I live in California, I really see myself as a Midwesterner. And all that that has meant for me in my childhood, I mean, I was born in New York City, but I really identify with Midwest and the Midwest of my grandparents' farm in Elgin, Illinois, learning how to can, the potluck mentality, the there's always enough food so everyone can come, and baking and bringing jam to your neighbors. So I, I just really, as I'm getting older, I'm identifying more and more with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, that, that leads us so elegantly into the second question, which is, What is the song or piece of music you've chosen to share with us today that represents what you've just told us about? Well, it's funny. I actually, as I'm sitting here, I have a stack of CDs on my lap because it was kind of hard for me to pick a song because there's so many songs that are memory songs for me that bring me back to the Midwest or that are so much a part of what I would listen to when I would can with my grandma or what I would listen to when I can now as an adult or cook or things like that. But I did end up, it's a newer artist for me, um, Brandy Carlisle, who I just love as um, an artist and what she's doing for women in music. And she's really taken on the country music scene and having mm-hmm. all music be produced by women for women And the song I picked reminds me, so, and it's funny, when I was playing with it, my daughter said, Mom, this song is so you, because I always want to have a home where 
everyone feels welcome at the table. And it just brings back memories for me of, again, that my Midwestern upbringing. And so that's why I picked that song. It is on the High Woman album, which was four women artists that came together. It just, to me, captured the Midwest and what I was thinking about. You know, you mentioned that you're from Chicago and, and your, identif- your identification with being a Midwesterner. I don't think of country music and Chicago in the same setting. <laughs> I know, that's so true. Um, but my memories of being on my grandparents' farm had a lot of fairs and like fairgrounds, but we would always go to see the entries. Yeah. And... Um, the music was always like that. So it just, I, I have this, which people are like, I can't believe it, Kat, but I have this real connection to country music. And I don't know why, but when I would hear the songs, even though the singers are from not, you know, a small farm in Illinois, <laughs> there's just a familiarity about what they're singing about. So I think that's why I was connected to it. Yeah, yeah. Why would people now say, really, Kat, about your connection with country music? (laughs) What's operating there? Well, I think in part when you think, I mean, it's not fair, but sort of a stereotype about country music, which is why I love Brandi Carlisle so much, and actually why I always have loved the Dixie Chicks that are now called the Chicks, and female country singers, and then, you know, really gotten into Dolly Parton, And a lot of these women that tell these amazing stories about women. And so I've always been connected to that. I love the stories they tell. I can relate to it. It reminds me of stories that my grandma would share with me. And so, but I think when you think of country music, it's more, it's male, which is interesting too, why I love the high women, because that's their whole point is that, for every 20 songs that's on country radio, it's a man to one woman song. So I think I love that. Um, and really when you listen to a lot of the older country songs too, they were really radical in what they were talking about. When you listen to Brandy Carlisle songs, that really comes out too. I asked Kat to recommend an example of an old style country song that told such a radical story. And she hit me with Dolly Parton's Down from Dover. I know this dress I'm wearing doesn't hide the secret I have tried concealing. When he left, he promised me that he'd be back by the time it was revealing. This song is sung from the point of view of a young woman about to give birth out of wedlock. She's been abandoned by the father and rejected by her family, and the ending of the song is really dark. If you had some idea of Dolly as being all smiles and frilly clothing, this might change your mind. It's all the more radical because she first released this song in 1970. Yeah, this song, The Crowded Table, does not strike me as, well... I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. Um, 
what's radical about this song? Maybe I'll turn it into a question. What's radical about this song? <laughs> well, I think not so much radical, but this idea that of community, which to some is kind of radical. I mean, it's mm. not radical when I think of like, maybe how you and I are thinking of radical, but this idea, which is something that I was really brought up with and then really felt when I lived in Central America and then the time I spent in Mexico, just this idea that everyone is invited, everyone is included. And through food, you really get to hmm, get to know somebody and experience something. And I feel like that's what that song, and there's, you know, the part about the garden. But it definitely is a song that is just when, definitely to the question you asked, it just is like, that is it. Like everything they're talking about is what I think of when I think of parts of where I came from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I like thinking about this, you know, this image of the crowded table and the, the welcoming doorway and the fireplace that mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone's allowed to sit at this fireplace, you know, to think that these, these images of warmth and capaciousness are, are in fact radical because it's instead of insisting on hierarchies and insisting on power and power over, it's like, Hey, come, come into our space, you know? So that's a pretty cool place to come from. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with that, Elizabeth. I think it's so true that, you know, I tell the story when we moved here, I baked bread for all my neighbors and brought jam. And when I brought them to their door, the one of my neighbors said, do I owe you anything? Like how much are you charging? And then the other was like, what is it you want me to do with this? And I'm like, no, I mean, I'm here. I've just moved into the neighborhood. I mean, that idea of community that I just want to break bread with you in a way was so frightening for some people. Like I somehow wanted something. And I think that you're right. That is the radical. Like I think in our, well, I know for me in our world, we've just gotten really far away from that. Just that everyone's welcome and bring what you have and just sit and let's have a meal together. And, and I want everyone to feel like they are welcome. Yeah. And it's, it is also interesting, I think, how that particular brand of radicalism tends to fall to women. Yeah, isn't that true? If we want to go. sort of pivot now and and go go to your next song I think but one thing that really struck me as I was getting acquainted with your two songs preparing for this interview is that the first one is entirely women's voices the second one is principally a, a woman's voice there's a little bit of very discreet backup singing by man but but yeah the, you chose women's voices in both mm-hmm. and I think that's you know that's not casual mm-hmm Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I've always really, when I think of actually every artist that's sitting next to me here on the couch, I have their CDs here next to me. <laughs> um, because I love getting a CD and opening it and pulling up the little leaflet and looking at the words. And I know it's on other forms of Spotify and things, but I like to feel music that way. And they're all women. Yeah, that's really my, where I, get my strength 
part of, you know, my tie with Midwest and then the journey in my life where I then found myself working in Central America, I remember that the first song that I understood when I was starting to learn Spanish was the song that I picked, which is from Guarabaranco. The song is really beautiful. The two artists are incredible. They're from Nicaragua. But I remember when I began to understand Spanish, I could make jokes in Spanish, and I had my first dream in Spanish. And then I listened to the songs, and I picked it because I felt, and again, there were other artists I thought about, Mercedes Sosa and Silvio Rodriguez, and music that like touches my heart and gives me so much hope. But mm. I picked Guarabaranco because it was such a time when there was so much going on, and I felt just incredible hope that, um, I mean, not only that, I was hopeful that now I could learn a second language and understand what people were saying to me, but I also, just the hope of the work that I was a part of and the people that I was meeting and this whole new world that was opened to me. That was really, just when I think of that and when I hear their songs, it totally brings me back to that time and just then my my life path changed. Yeah. So it's just really hopeful. That's why I picked that song. There's something about that song that Although it is not technically a sad song, it makes me feel like crying. <laughs> Do you know what? I was just sitting here, Elizabeth, thinking my memory. I will tell you when I picked the songs. I picked that and I hadn't, I hadn't listened to it in a while. Mm. I was waiting to listen to it today. And mm. as I'm saying this is hopeful, it's actually kind of a sad song. I was tearing up too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it walks an interesting line, I feel, between. Yeah. Uh, hope and 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 despair <laughs> and, and despair and and, yeah. and desperation and the, the desperate people that it mentions um yeah ah uh, yeah songs to the moon man um <laughs> i mean isn't that interesting but i can remember i mean as i was listening to two i was thinking wow people are gonna be like well i don't know how hopeful that song is but you know I can't describe it. When I remember listening to that song, I remember listening to this album in really hard times. I mean, I was living in Honduras, working in communities, doing HIV and AIDS work, mm. which was hard because at the time in San Pedro Sula, it was the capital of HIV and AIDS in Central America. And so, wow. but yet, when I listen to these songs and then just like having these songs, there was incredible hope. And it, I, I think you just said something that's so important and that hope, but that's tied to that sadness is something that I always find incredible in people when mm -hmm. things are so hard that there is just this like, you know, but we're going to do it. You know, we're going to, we're going to go forward and telling jokes or singing songs or, you know, again, sharing food. I think that's where that hope piece comes in 
for me when I hear this song and other songs that they sing, which do have a sad piece to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like hope that has its roots in all the terrible things that are wrong with the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that is a very profoundly rooted plant. And yeah. And it just keeps coming back. It's it. I, I love that you chose this song, and and I I love many things about this song. It one of the things that really grabbed my attention because it sounds to me almost like it was recorded live. I think it was probably recorded in one take. Mm-hmm. I think it's a single track. She's got the mic really close to her mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's it's what I would call in in terms of the kind of things you find on Spotify. It's underproduced. Mm-hmm. It has this quality not of being a performance, not of being a slightly glossy work of art, but just like she was in your living room and she really needed to sing this to you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, that's very striking to me. It's, it's quite a contrast to the first song, actually, which is no less sincere, but much more highly produced. Yeah. And... It, there's something about having the artistic courage to to release a song this way, you know, that does have a little bit of that living room quality to it. Uh, you know, that, that's part of why it really reaches my heart. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And actually, the two singers are brother and sister. Oh. Um, yeah. And they... Yeah, I totally feel that too. Like you could even see the, at one point there's like the rain stick noise, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't know if that was a rain stick, but that kind of idea. And like, I, I agree that you could almost see them sitting on the couch with their mics and like, okay, everyone be quiet. And that actually brings me back to my childhood of like pressing record and play on the tape deck to get that song. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I love that feeling. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit the quality of, of uh, this recording that we're making right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about the lyrics of this song. Um, it is a song sung to the moon, to the mm-hmm. full moon. And it, it, the moon is being addressed directly. Um, and who who is she? Do you think? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, are you referring to who's the moon or who is the person looking? Or? Um, I was I was wondering who is the moon? Who, who, oh, that's interesting. Who is she that she that we want to address her in this way? Almost almost like supplicants. Yeah, I mean, when I hear the song again, that moon is. I mean. Moons are hopeful, you know, moons are, she's reliable, she's there, and there's something hopeful about that when there's nothing else. It's that, to me, that, like, accompaniment, and I've heard people say that when they're really in a dark place or if, you know, um, living outside because they don't have a home or they're traveling far um, or, you know, this was actually from Nicaragua, but people will often share stories during different civil conflicts, right? That a moon is, is that friend? Is that, that something that's reliable that's walking with you? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I would interpret it. You know, 
this is a, a way of thinking about the moon that you have encountered in, mm-hmm. in people that you've lived among, mm-hmm. worked with. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me, Kat, because there's a whole way of thinking about the moon, which I have to say chiefly takes place, and we, we get back to the gender thing here, in uh, the work of you know, male poets and lyricists to the effect that the moon is inconstant you know, because she changes. Mm. she's never the same one night to the next and uh, she moves around in the sky and she never looks the same. And so she becomes this uh, very coarse general metaphor for the supposed inconstancy of women. And, you know, what you're talking about is it's the obverse of that. It's, it's totally the other way of looking at it, which is, yeah, her changeability is just part of her constancy like any living being. Yeah. And that, I mean, when you look at our world, right, change, I mean, it's that change that, you know, people always say that the one thing you can count on is change. But I do, I mean, definitely for me, the moon is female. It's fascinating that when you just described how the moon is described by maybe male songwriters or poets, because for me, what I hear in this song, and, you know, it was written by a woman, is that the moon it, it is changing, but she's there. You know, she's always going to be there. It's going to change. There may be times we don't really see her, but, um, and that was like in the lyrics, like when I have nothing and I look up, but I just know you're going to be there mm-hmm. um, in whatever form. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, that's a positive. Los locos errantes y los pordioseros que amamantamos tu luz. Well, and you could even go deeper. I mean, right, you know, how we use the moon and even um, just how women are seen and the menstrual cycle and all that's connected to the moon is seen as such a negative thing. Yeah. But it's really a powerful, amazing thing. And so you really could do it almost a whole podcast on that. Oh man, I, (laughs) well, I gotta tell you, I mean, uh, to some degree, every single interview is, I feel like people are just hungry to be philosophical and music is a great (laughs) portal to being philosophical. So I totally is. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Kat. Yes, it was fun. I, uh, yeah, thank you for the quality of your conversation and of your insight and for this Beautiful and amazing music you've you've shared with me Mm -hmm. and with our listeners. Here we ended our conversation, though honestly it would have been easy and delicious to have continued exploring the themes we raised. Since our interview, I've returned various times to Kat's remarks about that human capacity to keep nourishing hope in the midst of the most desperate situations. Joking, walking on under moonlight, and of course singing. This reminds me of the words of Victor Hugo in his novel Les Miserables. Car où il n'y a plus l'espérance, le chant reste. Where there is no longer hope, song remains. Would you like to know more? On our website at ciofuera.org, you can find lyrics to the songs we discuss, our blog about the issues of history, culture, and politics that come up around every song, links for listeners who might want to pursue a theme further, and some very cool imagery. 
You'll also find playlists of all the songs from all the interviews to date, and our special staff-curated playlist as well. We invite your comments or questions. Contact us at our website or participate in the Cio Fuera conversation on social media. We're out there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then there's just plain old word of mouth. If you like our show, do please tell your friends and your families to give it a listen. And do please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll bring you a new interview every two weeks on Friday mornings. Julia Alanis, Cynthia Marcel de la Torre, and Wesley McClintock are our sound engineers. Zoe Broussard and Laura Diaz hold down the marketing. David Castaneda is music researcher. Deaneira Garcia and Alex Dolvan make production possible. We are a not-for-profit venture currently and gratefully funded by the John Paul Simon Guggenheim Foundation. For now, and until the next interview, keep listening to one another. I'm Elizabeth Le Guin, and this is Si Yo Fuera Una Canción, If I Were a Song. Si yo fuera una canción Sonarían por las calles, las montañas y los valles, mi orgullo y mi pasión. ¿Quién soy yo de corazón? Soy una ola, soy una onda, una vibración que ronda por el universo vivo. Y sonando soy testigo a nuestra unidad más honda.